That's a thought-provoking song. That's gonna. I need to get that and download that and listen to that on uh, iTunes and hear that again. Very nice. Father, we just thank you for our time together. We pray now you open up your word to us and make it a fresh word, Lord, a word that feeds us. Uh, we don't uh, want to feel in, that we've left without being fed by you today, so we really would just graciously ask you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Uh, we're going to look at a verse that I know some of you probably already have committed to memory. It's one of these very familiar verses in the book of Proverbs. And if I told you the chapter, then you're probably going to start getting warm to what the verses are. Chapter 3, verse 5, and 6. And even though it's a familiar verse, and we probably know it by memory, it doesn't take away from the fact that it's well familiar, and while in one sense quite simple, it's quite profound because the content that's in each phrase, if we really grab it and we really digest it, then it's going to make a significant impact in our lives. You know, the wonderful thing about the Word of God is that, and maybe I've said this before, I hope not, because then I'm starting to repeat myself and forget what I've said, but, you know, we get so much letters in the mail, you know, and so much of them now, especially the ones that come in the, in the actual mail, we just throw away. You know, there's so little in those. If we're getting any real significant mail, it's by email now. And there are some letters that, whatever reason and whatever has been written, it makes such an impact that we hold on to it. And it, it because of either the, who the sender was and who wrote it and what's the content. And the wonderful thing about God's Word is when we, we come to reading letters and things that have been written uh, by the different uh, writers that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, we sometimes spend uh, hours just pondering over a word. Sometimes we can spend weeks trying to understand a sentence or a paragraph. Sometimes we understand quite clearly what the writers are saying. Other times it's kind of rich and it's like that ribeye steak and then chocolate mousse for dessert. And at the end, you're just like, wow, you know, I'm just stuffed and, and full. And so we, we try and digest it and understand what it is. And in this passage, it's a, it's a very simple but wonderful verse that Solomon wrote in Proverbs 3. I memorized it back in the New American Standard when I first memorized it. But in the NIV translation today, it's very similar. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Or other translations say he will direct your paths. Another translation in a more simplified version says it this way. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen to, for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's probably one of the most uh, Profound and at the same time inviting statements that God gives to us. Trust, we know what it means. It, it basically has this idea of put your weight on something. I was talking to my uh, son-in-law a couple of days ago, and he was mentioning how when we were passing the training tower in San Leandro, coming back from 
delivering some metal, and I thought when I had a shed that I just took down, and I thought, you know, I'm probably going to get a lot of money off this metal shed to return it for recycling. I got a whole $8. <laughs> and I said, well, that, was worth the, that wasn't even worth the gas money to get there from Castor Valley. But passing by the training tower, he said, you know, when I was doing uh, the training and drills in the academy, I had to learn how to tie these knots. And then the guys who were coming off the training tower were trusting in the knots that I had tied to jump off from the roof down to the bottom, about a floor, four floors of height. And I said, well, did you remember the knots? And he said, well, I, I wasn't 100% sure, but I thought so. I thought I tied him correct. Six or seven guys that were, in a sense, trusting him that when he tied those knots, that that was going to get them safely down. Today, we probably are most assured that the chairs you're sitting in, we trust that we're not just going to collapse in them. In trusting, we are so many times in a day, we're doing that, aren't we? When we get in the car, you know, we're trusting that the engine's going to start and that the tires are going to keep their pressure and that we're going to keep going without a blowout or something like that. I remember a number of years ago coming home from Disneyland and we were coming down the grapevine. I'm sure you've done it many a time. And just as you're coming down that stretch, which it's easy to be doing about 80 miles an hour as it is because you've just got so much downslope. And I'm going in the station wagon that we had borrowed since we'd come back on furlough. And uh, it was affectionately known as Nelly. That was what we titled the car. But I had a blowout. And I, I didn't even really, to be honest with you, know what had happened. It just all happened so quick. I was in the fast lane. And the next thing I know, uh, we're just, you know, almost like, we're just in this kind of tailspin of, of kind of losing control, and I just swerve over, have no idea if I'm going to hit anybody when I do, and I get out of the car, and I tell everybody, you know, just get out, you know, all the kids, and we all get out, not knowing really what had even happened, and then I went to the back, and I saw that the tire, and it was just the rim. I mean, just the rim. I kind of looked at it like, how did that happen? How do you have a blowout that takes the entire tire off? So we trust every day. We get in a plane, and we're trusting who the... Pilate is, and the Lord is saying, trust in me with all your heart. When he talks about the heart, and we, without getting too detailed in this, we know what he's talking about is who you and I really are on the inside, who we are, the very core, the essence of our being. And he wants us to have hearts that that aren't shallow in our trust toward him, but actually are deep. And they go down deep in that kind of trust. If we're honest about it, depending on our background and all of our circumstances, trust isn't so easy for some of us. Maybe you've been in a situation in a relationship, I think even back especially to the most significant one, if any, is your parents. Those are the folks that you, as a child, count on to trust. But we're living in, in fairyland in, in if we think that there aren't a lot of situations where parents have miserably failed their children. I see it every day that I'm at work where parents or men or women are behaving in ways that if there are any children watching it's having a devastating impact on some of the stuff they're seeing. And so it's difficult to trust. We, we, we look at other folks, and there's maybe one or two or three or four that we, we trust, but there's always a certain degree of caution because we know with ourself that if we said to somebody else, I want you to trust me 
that everything I say, I'm always going to do. And every promise I make to you, I'm always going to keep. And I'm always going to be there 100% of the time for you in every situation. And you would look at me and you'd say, I like it, but I really wonder, can you deliver? The truth is, I couldn't. Even with the closest folks in my circle, I fail. I forget. Sometimes I don't even remember that I said something the day before. And they said, remember you said you would do this? And I was like, sometimes it's like, yeah, that's right. And other times it's like, no, I don't even remember saying that. So we find it hard with other humans at times. And so the question is, can you really trust God? Can you really? Scripture says in Psalm 50, and call upon me in the day of trouble. And he says this, I will deliver you and you will honor me. And folks that we rub shoulders with, and maybe it's going to be in our lives as well if it isn't already, and I'm sure it is in many circumstances, well, the question is, is can you really trust God when it gets right down to the, where the rubber meets the road, if you like, is in the situations, and I've mentioned this before, but it's in those situations with physical ailments. Whether you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, when you hear the news from the doctor that that growth isn't just something benign, but it's malignant, or there's someone else that you know or love who is going through some type of situation some type of physical ailment. And what about, as I've said before, the financial hardships? I was talking to a man just this week who's been lying awake at night about three in the morning, every morning for about three or four days in a row, thinking about the job, job pressures. At least with my job, I work 12 hours and I go home and I leave it and I come back to it. A lot of you have jobs that you just don't turn off. They're, they're on your mind. They're going on all the time around the clock. But there's those job pressures. There's those difficult marriages that either you know of or you might be in yourself for whatever reason. Or a relationship with your kids. It's not all like the Brady Bunch in those relationships with the children. There's some kids maybe that are older that are wayward. And you're just wondering, what is God doing? What's going to happen? And can you trust God instead of wanting to take over and basically say to him, I'm going to take over this situation because I really kind of think I know best What is going on? With all due respect, Lord, you can take a back seat. We know that pain in its various degrees comes in various times, doesn't it? I bet you if we met back next week, there will be some situation that you'll go through that will be of some degree of pain. It'll be maybe the humiliation in a situation or the rejection you're going to experience with someone at work. Who knows what is going to happen with a loved one? It'll be to some degree, maybe it's like a one Tylenol kind of pain pill type scenario, but it's that kind. And then there's that kind of pain that troubles me most and is kind of the one I'm just keep on going to God with and asking him to deliver me from the fear of the sudden traumatic, devastating type of pain that occurs. And I get that so much at my job where all of a sudden someone's day that didn't anticipate it was going to go this way has completely changed from what they thought was going to happen. And so I keep hearing that. And I hear that day after day. And so it makes this some kind of impression on me sometimes. Oh, I don't want to be like that. I don't want that to happen to me. But the reality is, it will and it does. And God knows what he's doing. A friend of mine at work, not a real close friend, but just a co-worker uh, a couple of weeks ago on Crow Canyon Road, on his way to work, on a motorcycle, just outside the San Ramon city limits here, struck a deer and died a couple of days later. 46 years old, going to the hospital 
on that day and being with the different loved ones and coworkers, what do you say? What do you say to a group of people who don't, for the large most part, know Jesus Christ as to what happened there? And if I said, you can trust God, what's the reaction going to be? How are you going to respond to that? And so really this question, trust in the Lord with all your heart, it has two phrases to it, two emphasis on the words, should I say. Can you trust, trust God? Is he reliable? Is he reliable in times of trouble? Scripture says over and over again, and he proves himself to say wholeheartedly, 150%, yes. Yes, he's trustworthy. Can you Can I trust God? What I mean by that is, is do you and I have the relationship today? And you think about this. Do you have the relationship today with God? And that and you believe without a shadow of doubt that he's with you in every adversity, every trial, every heartache or hardship that's going on, even though you don't see any evidence with the human eye. You don't see any evidence of his presence or power at the moment. If you like, the heavens are silent right now. Like when the Lord Jesus asked the Father if he could be delivered from his impending death on the cross. God the Father was silent. We don't hear an answer to his question. That was mostly, obviously, for our benefit to hear that he asked it. Some of us are asking a question And God has yet to answer. But the question is, is can we trust him? Can you? Where are you at right now? I was watching a movie a couple weeks ago. And it was disturbing because there was one line in it. It might be the impact that I remember of the whole movie. Was a man was, had been uh, in a plane crash. And he was one of the survivors in it. Unfortunately, it was in a part of the, of the country where there were a lot of wolves. And there was, I think it's based on a true story, they were trying to attack in addition to um, having survived a crash. Now they're dealing with wolves. And when he's about at the end of his rope, and it's just him now alive, he looks up and says, God, I really need you now. It'd really be nice if you came through right now. And he's looking up and nothing. And then he says, forget it. I'll do it myself. That's how a lot of folks who don't know Christ think. That's their, that's their mentality on this issue. We've got to know, how do we address that in a culture that basically says, forget God. He's irrelevant. I'll do it myself. Danger for us is sometimes as believers, we even fall into that, don't we? We think, well, forget it. I'll just do it myself. God doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to trust him. Psalm 78, just a couple verses on this. When the Israelites were in the desert, they spoke against God. Can God spread a table in the desert? When he struck the rock, water gushed out and streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? When I, the Lord, heard them, he was very angry. His fire broke out against Jacob. And his wrath rose against Israel. And here's the, the crutch of it. For they did not believe in God or trust 
in his deliverance. You contrast that, we won't look at it for time, but you contrast that with the amazing first miracle of Jesus in John chapter 2. And you probably know it, what I'm referring to. The wedding that the Lord went to. And how they ran into a major issue. They ran out of wine. And not to have wine at a wedding in that day was like if all of a sudden we show up and somebody said, where's the wedding cake? Well, we don't have a wedding cake. It, it fell. You know, it would be like, what's a wedding without a wedding cake? And they with this wedding that had going on a few days had ran out of wine. When the Lord says, and you know the story, he says, fill the jars with water, these different jars that they had. It says they filled them to the top. But fascinating, they took the water to the master. They, they didn't take the wine to the master. They took the water. And at some point, if you're familiar with the story, the wine changes. Uh, I should say the water changes into wine. And it's not just a low two-buck chuck wine. It's a really massive or amazing quality wine. But if they'd been thinking, I don't trust God with his word here. I don't trust the Lord with what he's saying. Bring, fill, the, fill the jugs with water? What? They didn't have any experience of a miracle yet. would be like, what is that going to do? Are we going to serve water? Just put some food coloring in it? Make them think that it's wine? The water became wine when they obeyed to take it. Bring it to Christ. And my challenge to you and those of you who you know in your lives who might wonder, can you really trust God? Can you really trust him is to say, take it, take that issue, take, take a risk if you like and see how he comes through for you. And I guarantee that he absolutely will show himself faithful. But now here's the second part of the verse, not only to trust in the Lord with all your heart, but he says, don't lean on your own understanding. And this is the difficult one, isn't it, for some of us deeper thinkers. If you're a person that just loves to analyze and think real deeply over issues, there's some benefit and wonderful things to that because God gave you a mind to use. And matter of fact, it's kind of scary when you realize how little of our brain we actually use that is there for us. And so if you're a good thinker today, that's good. But the danger, too, and the thing you have to be careful with is if you start thinking too deeply and using your mind over thinking how you think with this brilliant mind that God gave you, this situation should work itself out. How God should work. And if you had the opportunity to counsel him, this is what you would tell him he should do with that mind. And of course, that's foolishness. But the heart and the mind, they can work together. In our pursuit and following of who God is. The problem occurs, and I see this, um, you know, I've kind of seen a number of examples of this, is when someone puts their mind over their spirit or over their heart and how in following and trusting in the Lord, even if it makes no sense. I was at the funeral for that officer a couple of weeks ago at Chabot College. And the, the man who was speaking I'm sure he had good intent, and I can understand where, where he was going in the audience that he had of about a thousand people who largely were probably cursing God for this death. By and large, the majority probably were, especially those in uniform. But this is the same man who has made reference, when, among other believers, in reference to a higher power. 
referring to God as a higher power. Or saying, and I understood it, but it was saying, uh, and it's difficult because you have to be really careful what people hear, but saying to the audience, protest this death. Protest it. Challenge God with it. Funny enough, you know, I find it fascinating. The word, or I should say the name, the person Jesus, never was mentioned. God, kind of some other general phrases, but it's like he wasn't even welcome. That's the culture that we live in now. You can't really mention his name. And that's a sad thing, isn't it? Paul talks about this, too, in, in the New Testament, where he talks about Timothy. And he says the danger with if your mind gets away from how your heart is leading and how the Holy Spirit is leading, because you start to think about the philosophies of what you're hearing, books that are might appear to be talking about truth and might be truth. But yet, as you start to read them, and especially if you've been in college, this is becoming more and more of an issue. You go to even religion classes. And the understanding they want you to have is actually separate and different and contradictory to what's in Scripture. I was reading an article recently on the very issue of trusting God and not to lean on your own understanding. It looked initially good until I read the last sentence of the article. And he said this, seriously, folks, if you're not leaning to your own understanding, you should be. I thought, well, that's exactly contradictory to what Scripture said. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Get out of the way. Get out of the way of trying to control God. He's not going to be responding to what we tell him he should be doing. It's one thing to take it to him in prayer and be asking him and petitioning him to work in a situation. That's 100% approved. But when we say, this is what I know you should do, and why aren't you doing it in that kind of tone? And I know we know this, but we have to become like children, don't we? We have to become like kids, and that's very hard. I remember when our kids were small, and we would, I would walk them across the street, um, or whatever. You know, especially in Dublin, where there's a lot of traffic in Ireland, and it's even been to this day. But they didn't, I don't remember them looking like at two and three and watching if I was right and four when I was holding their hand and just making sure when I said, come on, let's go, and them making sure to look as well. They just trusted what I said. And it was quite a responsibility that I'm saying, let's go. And they did. But I can also remember, though, the impact this had on me as a kid when I was about eight or nine, and we would go up to Sonora to visit our relatives. And my dad, um, bless his heart, was, had a lot of strength, but one was he liked to take risk driving sometimes. And I remember being on that two-lane road when you're from Tracy to Oakdale, and it's fog right there, and you're going through Manteca and Escalon and Oakdale, and there'd be like fog, and all of a sudden I'd hear my mom saying, don't, don't, and he'd be passing, you know, whereas there's another car kind of coming. And, you know, it's foggy, and you know that stretch of road. And so I'm in the back seat, and I'm, I could never fall asleep in the back seat as a passenger. <laughs> and I'll tell you, to this day, to this day, I cannot really fall asleep if I'm a passenger in a car. And I think it goes back to that trauma of thinking something's going to happen in the car with my dad when he's driving because he would take a lot of risk. And so I didn't really understand in that context how to trust as a child. And in some ways, that's followed me through, and I'm still growing in that even as a 
older, um, I don't want to say elderly, an older man. I correct myself there. Although I'm getting, I'm in ARP now, but that doesn't still mean I'm in elderly territory yet. We know the scripture verse, don't we? That our ways aren't his ways. And our thoughts aren't his thoughts. Sometimes they wonderfully do go in sync. And we can really see, I can, this is, I see how God's working here. But sometimes it's like, what? You know, what? I don't understand, Lord, but I'll trust you. It doesn't, with my brain, I can't figure it out. I, I can't even pretend to have a glib answer to why somebody's going through this situation. And even listening to some of those examples I gave earlier, those are conversations I've had this week with people. The marriage, the financial hardship, the cancer, the ailments. And that's just this week. And then the verse of Scripture of Solomon tells us not only to not lean on our understanding, but in all our ways to acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. This is a fascinating thing. At face value, if you don't, didn't know the God of the Bible, and he didn't know that you can 100% trust every single thing he says, he never overstates it, he never exaggerates the point, it's 100% trustworthy in what he says, if you didn't know it, you'd say, man, it just sounds like one of those offers that you sometimes get on the phone or in the mail. And you go, you know, it's just too good to be true. There's something here. There's a catch. And that's how a lot of folks think. You know, what, what's the catch? You mean I can really get an upgrade in this hotel if I sit through an hour meeting and listen through a presentation? Is it really? And that's all there is to it? And, you know, you're trying to make sure they're actually telling you the truth in these timeshare deals? And there's not some wiggle thing in there, the bottom little thing in the whole contract that you didn't know was in the sentence and they didn't tell you that, but there's just that little line in there that was some kind of a clause. I'm going to tell you it's not there. There's no hidden clause. It's very clear. It says acknowledge him. There is a condition. And he will direct your paths. Now, if you want him to direct your paths and say, I want to, I like that part of the last part of the verse, but I want to just kind of etch out or white out the acknowledge him part, not going to work. It's a cause and effect. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And you know, as sitting here today, we're thinking as we're wrapping up soon, who wouldn't want his plans or paths directed by this one? Who, who wouldn't? Who the God of the Bible knows the future before we do. Before it happens to us, he knows every single thing that's going to happen to each of us in this room. It's already determined in that sense. That's why if you have a fear of flying or you have a fear of whatever, as though something is now going to happen to you if you get on that, really, I challenge you to say, you know, your days are numbered. He knows the number of hairs on your head. It's appointed at a time of when you're going to leave if he doesn't come back first. So he's not saying, well, just go skydiving with no parachute and, you know, you're going to make it and he'll carry you through. I'm not suggesting that. But you can get on that plane if it's in his will for you to go on that trip. You can get on that boat. You can drive in that car. My daughter was, or I should say my wife was raised uh, in a home with fear. It was just, 
anything and everything can happen. And so she really grew up in her, elder, in her uh, elementary school years and middle school and even in high school with fear. I don't know if you can relate. Just, you know, she, to the fact that she wouldn't mind me saying this, but she slept with a blanket uh, like, a, like a baby would until she was, became a Christian when she was 16. She had a blanket that she took to bed. That's how serious the fear was of not being able to trust because the parents maybe meant well, but they just, just kept pressing upon her fear, fear, fear. So when he says acknowledge him, what does that mean? What does that mean? It means, in, a, in I think the most simplest understandings of how I can explain it, means is we've come to this place where we say, Lord, I, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you in this situation. I acknowledge you that you're the one who gave me this job. Lord, I acknowledge that you're the one who's the head of my marriage and gave me my husband or my wife. Lord, I acknowledge that you're the one who's provided our kids. You're the provided this home. I acknowledge that you know the plans that you have for my children. I acknowledge you that you have got me to this destination today and that you're doing these purposes. And I acknowledge that even if I lock my keys in the car and it makes me late for what I'm supposed to go to, I acknowledge that you're in that situation and that you're doing something. I just acknowledge that whatever is happening, you are behind it in some way, shape or form. If we get ourselves into that kind of habit and practicing that kind of thing of where we're thinking about, I just acknowledge you. Now he's going to do what? He's going to direct our paths. Someone has said, when everything's going to plan, when everything is going just as we want it to go, acknowledge them. When everything's falling apart, acknowledge them. It's not conditional. Acknowledge him that he is in control in this situation. And you know what's so good about that is that if we acknowledge him for every victory, for every discouragement, for everything, every trial, for every situation that's happened, what happens is, is that if we say God is behind it, God was the one doing it, whatever success I had, it was I acknowledge God's grace on my life in that situation. What that does is it keeps us from pride. It keeps us from thinking about ourselves. And it also keeps us on the opposite side of the pendulum. It keeps us from being hopeless. Because when everything is falling apart and we're thinking, and it has nothing to do with what we did. It's just God is just doing what he needs to do in order to build our character and whatever his purposes and plans are for us. We don't have to despair as though we have no God because we can say, I acknowledge you in this situation and in this trial that you're going to accomplish your purposes. And you know what he says? If we do that, he will direct or make our paths straight. Means what? He'll make our... And, in every situation, it's, it's kind of a testimony of us to talk about this, but he'll make it clear. He'll make it absolutely obvious what it is he's doing. It does not mean when it says he'll make our path straight that he's going to make you healthy or wealthy. It doesn't necessarily mean that at all. It doesn't necessarily mean at all that God's going to make you comfortable as much as we love that. It doesn't mean that nothing hard, bad, or tragic or difficult will ever happen. It doesn't mean you're always going to get or what I'm always going to get what I want. But what it does mean, what it does mean is that God is going to give my life direction. He's going to give it purpose. He's going to give it a focus and he's going to give it fulfillment, which ultimately we're here for. You know, when I'm at work and I hear these stories and a couple of weeks ago, a 
you know, maybe about once or twice a week suicide kind of calls, um, either the very act of it or the threat of it. Um, whether it's the Golden Gate Bridge was the means or it was overdose and, um, or threats of it. You know, you just contrast knowing Christ that we're so free from that kind of despair Amen. that so many people have or having to drink themselves to oblivion um, or take a, lots of medication just to numb whatever it is that's going on. God says, I'm going to guide you around the ditches and I'm in all those messes so that you can stay on the right path. I've been really encouraged and challenged uh, by a couple in our, in our church, friends of ours, who I honestly said, I hope, I said, Lord, um, and I said, I told him this, I said, Lord, I hope you give the Ramses the month of June off because really from about January to May, it's just been one thing uh, after another. They have a, a, one of their sons has a heart condition um, that they're constantly concerned of. The, the mother, who was the flower girl in our wedding, this goes to how back at it we go, is now in our, in our church in small group. Uh, she had a, almost a burst appendix that didn't, but it went really, there was a lot of issues. It was in the hospital for several days. Only got out of the hospital to then have her 18-year-old daughter get hit by a semi on 880 a couple weeks ago, which when you look at the car, it's an absolute miracle of God's grace that their daughter didn't die. Um, it basically, it's just, she's so small that thankfully the airbag deployed, but there was, there's really nothing to the car. The semi pretty much rolled over it, except she was spared with just a cracked sternum and maybe a couple of other bruises. And this has been kind of going on. And then the husband is an acting sergeant right now with San Leandro, and he sprained his ankle. And he, it's better now. But it's just like there's just pressure and stress, and there's things going on. And been watching them and just seeing how are they behaving? Are they, are, they, are they growing? Are they Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 right before my very eyes being practiced in this couple? And I'll say it absolutely. I trust in them. I don't know the, the path that God has for you folks, I, I wouldn't even dare to, to, to venture. I don't know if the things, the paths he has for you are like the different trails at Yosemite, you know, where it's going to be more of a Vernal Falls kind of trail. Or, you know, just maybe that little walk around on the flat part of the valley floor. Or maybe for you it's more of that Yosemite Falls or the Glacier Point coming down. Or maybe even it's that half dome kind of experience. I don't, I don't know, but know that whatever path it is that he has for you and I, that it's a, it's a path that we don't want to be off the trail for. We want to be on it because we know that God's with us through it. And as we're, as we're walking through it, rather than saying, I want to take a, a, a rest and get off the trail, get off this path and just go my own way and just sit and sulk and protest that I have to walk one more step we're going to miss out on a blessing of what God wants to do in our lives with all the other folks around us who are watching too to see God is making himself faithful to us as we're trusting him with all our heart. Let's pray. Lord, I just think of the song this morning that uh, I often have sung to you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, 
Lord, have your way in me. And Father, I just pray today that as we even just ponder again on this wonderful, beautiful couple verses from your word, that we will indeed be those who you are pleased with because we are growing in our trust daily. We're just, again, being reminded of your faithfulness and your promises and how you've shown yourself strong in our lives over and over again, and you're going to do it again. I pray that we will learn the discipline of acknowledging you, realizing that we're not just left here on this earth floundering around like a fish out of the water, but that, God, you have um, told us to acknowledge us or acknowledge you, and then you're going to clearly direct those paths. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.